Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast, where we discuss how to wisely manage your resources, your influence, and on today's episode, your career, or rather your career change. Uh, the old Google told me that uh, the average person changes careers five to seven times in their life. What? Yeah. That's so, a lot. I believe it. It's like every three years if you're only uh, 21 years old, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I actually changed my career before my career got started. I went to a small Bible college thinking I wanted to be a youth pastor because my youth pastor was super cool and I wanted to be cool like him. Uh, we all did. I know. And then I just added a major, so I double majored and did business, and now I own businesses. But Brandon. Yeah. We went to college together, and you graduated uh, to become a teacher, and you were a teacher. I did. And I now was. And, and now you're not a teacher. You're an insurance agent. Correct. That is a very different and big career change. And a podcast star. <laughs> yeah, now you're a podcast star. I'm working my way there. <laughs> so, what, like, wh- why? Why did you change? What did you teach? Um, so, I taught history. In various forms. And then... Various I, forms? What does that well, mean? Like U.S. history, world okay, history. Okay. Liquid. Liquid <laughs> history. And then, of course, when you're a new teacher, they just give you all the hodgepodge stuff that like no one wants to do. So I did like career education, seven habits of highly effective individuals or something like that. <laughs> yeah, try going through a, a, a class like that with a bunch of like freshmen. Man, that's fun. Man, there, I mean, you're one of the best storytellers out there. Tell me, there's got to be... An embarrassing teacher moment story before we even get into like give, give me something. Okay, so I have a top twenty list of most embarrassing moments in my life. Okay, okay, this is not on that list. Okay, okay, so that just kind of sets the bar for other things. That's another podcast. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be so awesome. <laughs> this this doesn't even this might not even crack the top twenty five. Um, and I didn't. And so I only taught for three years, so you know, limited abilities to embarrass myself. Only three? It seemed like as much as you talked like, about it felt the like dread, 15. Yeah. It, it felt like 15. Yeah. No, for it, it felt like 15. So it's kind of like I have three kids, but I feel like I have 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's just, you Oh, know. man. That so, is so great. So I was teaching freshmen U.S. history or something along those lines. I don't I honestly don't remember. Neither do they. Um <laughs> But I was standing up there and I'm talking and I had limited resources in the classroom. Like there was just nothing. I had, I had a whiteboard. Like there wasn't like a projector at this time. We had like one book, you know. Like You didn't was, even have the projector with like the vis-a-vis markers and like no, I, I, yeah, the I had, overhead. No, the overhead projector. I didn't even have an overhead. Like I had nothing. Like it was literally a whiteboard. Wow. So I'm like, you know, trying to like entertain and teach and get them excited about history and, you know, all this other stuff, right? And so I'm standing up there and I'm talking and, you know, I, I feel like I had pretty good classroom management. I feel like that was a skill of mine. And so, um, you know, I, I've seen this girl in the very back, um, start writing a note and I'm like, that's kind of odd. Like, you know, this, this particular student, you know, uh, wasn't known for that. Um, and so I could see she's writing notes. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to like call her out or say anything. I'm just let it, you know, see what happens. And usually when students write notes, they try and be all sneaky about it, but you see it, you know, and you just, you just kind of decide when to jump in. You could see that? Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. hundred (laughs) percent. 
I thought I was sly. You, it's just, you just, in your head, you're like, do I really want to deal with this right now? But <laughs> so I could see the student, like, without trying to hide it, pass this note up to the student in front of them. And it's probably like six rows deep. And I'm, and then the student, I could see the student grab the note, look at the note, read it, kind of look weird, kind of look at me, and then pass it up to the next student. So this note is being passed up while I'm trying to teach and while I'm trying to talk about, you know, like uh, World War II or something like that. And I'm trying not to get distracted and all this stuff. And eventually the note gets to the student right in front of me. And the student grabs the note, looks at it. And this particular student just starts giggling. Not surprising. There's a reason the student was sitting in the front right in front of me. Okay. okay. So it was, it was basically you, Grant, in school, right? I would have been an awesome student. Not at all. You would have been terrible. <laughs> oh, man. My arrogance would like told the teacher so, like, how to do things. This particular student was sitting up front for a reason and starts giggling. And I'm like, I'm ready to just like, you know, go off and like, what's going on? So this student then slides the note to the front of the desk clearly and then looks at me and kind of says, kind of like looks down the note like, you're going to want to grab this. So I'm like, all right, what's going on? So I like kind of slyly as I'm talking, grab the note. You know, what do you like, you know, grab the note, unfold it as I'm still talking. Cause I think everyone's like still paying attention to me at this point. And I start reading the note and the note says, Mr. Reem, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your flies down. Sweet. And I immediately, you know, that moment where like you can't feel your face anymore. <laughs> It was one of those moments. I, I couldn't feel my face. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even, like, I can't, like, look, you know? I can't be like, oh, is it, you know? So I had to, like, turn around and act like I'm drawing something on, or not, I started drawing something on the whiteboard. I don't remember what it was while I zipped up my fly. So, you know, I had to, like, try and do it discreetly because I didn't want to further embarrass myself. So There's a fly on the wall pun somewhere in there. Somewhere. <laughs> So at this point, students are impressed with your ability, like multitasking, like do more than one thing. It was it was absolutely horrifying. Oh man! Well, you you obviously now. So that's why you changed careers because your father's out now. But why? Like why? Why would you do that? Like why? Why would somebody consider changing careers? Like why did you? You you went to college. You spent four years of your life getting a degree to become a teacher. And then after three short years, I'm sorry, we talked about this earlier, three long years, you chose to switch. Why? Yeah. So I think there was a realization that, yes, I enjoyed teaching, but teaching didn't necessarily have to be my specific occupation. Mm. You know, so it was, it was understanding that, yeah, you know, I enjoy teaching. I think I have a, a, a gifting for it. Um, you know, and so understanding that I didn't have to be an occupational teacher to also be a teacher, Mm. but that was part of it. The main thing for me was, um, you know, we found out we were pregnant with our first child, which, you know, happens now to be my son, Carson. And, um, you know, when you, uh, you know, when that first happens, right, you start to think about things you've maybe never thought about before. And so we started to think about our future and we started to think about what did, you know, we want life to look like with, you know, our child and, you know, does, you know, do we, um, yeah, does my you know wife still work? Do we, you know, like, what do we do? 
you know, what does okay. this, what does this look like for our family? So you had a preferred lifestyle that you guys were thinking through. Yeah. hundred percent. And just kind of visualizing that. And we quickly learned that, um, you know, while it could be accomplished with me as a teacher, it would have been challenging, mm. um, you know, based on what we wanted. Um, you know, I know a lot of amazing teachers, um, that have taught for 30 plus years and have a, wonderful, amazing life. And it's exactly what they wanted. Um, but you know, so it's not that teaching can't get you that it's just the way, you know, that we wanted our life to be and kind of the, the dream and the visions that we had for that. Um, you know, I mean, I know you well enough to, that there are some teachers that are, were in your life that you almost aspired to be like, you wanted to be that father. You wanted to have that family. And it's one of the reasons probably why you got into teaching and now this big shift because you and your wife, Christine, are recognizing, wait a minute, the the life now that we are able to articulate, that we want together, teaching could help us make that, but it might be difficult. Yeah. It, it, essentially, it wasn't the best option. Got it. You know, for us to, to, to reach those goals. Well, here's something that happens with teaching. Like, and you talked about this in the stewardship live event that we recently did is your work is a ministry. You mentioned that when people ask, Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a teacher. There's some, it's kind of like noble. It has some like social value. Mm -hmm. And now you had to tell people, Oh, I'm a, I'm an insurance agent. Man, that's a great way to kill a conversation. (laughs) I mean, how, how does that impact your, your life? Yeah. I mean, making a career change in that regard. Was that a part of the thought process? No, I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't, uh, I mean, there was, there was sadness in no longer being an occupational teacher, right? Okay. Like there was sadness in like getting out of the profession in that sense of like, you know, I had, yeah, I mean, like you talked about, like there are some of the most impactful um, men in my life, you know, mm. our teachers, our coaches and, yeah. um, and so that's kind of what I had envisioned for my life. Um, and so, yeah, there was definitely some sadness in that transition, but it was weird not I – I didn't anticipate the identity crisis, you know, that came with a career change, you mm-hmm. know, when you kind of had a certain vision and, like, you felt like there was a ton of purpose and, you know, you're going to be, you know, doing, you know, a, a lot of good for others and all this stuff. And then you get into insurance, which is something everybody loves, right, <laughs> and everybody loves to talk about. Um you know, so you make this career change and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, when people would ask, right, like you, you meet people for the first time and they, one of the first questions they ask is, well, what do you do? You know, what do you, what do you do for a living? And I found myself struggling to say insurance agent or, mm. you know, that I co-own an insurance agency or whatever. Like I, I struggled to say that. Mm. That was, that was not, um, it was not easy, and it was it was a process to really figure out why. Would you say that what you did for a living was an identity or defining thing in your life, or defined oh, your life? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, because I never had that issue before. Whenever mm. I was a teacher, and someone said, "What do you do for a living?" I'm a teacher. You know, there was there was pride in that. And, you know, and um, you know, it was something that people, you know, for the most part, enjoy talking to me about, and you know. People would be like, oh, that's great. And they kind of like affirm you in that. And, mm. you know, whereas, again, with insurance, they quickly are like, eh, change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, in the second part of this conversation, I want to go into a couple how-tos of how do you get over that, right? Or, or 
what what you can do uh, to make sure that you have the proper mindset about your career, your your living. Uh, but then also even talk about what you should think through and the how to on yeah you know what I, I do need to make a career change. You know, the, the, yes, this this is something that can help me decide, yes, it's time, or no, it's not. Uh, but before we jump into that, stewardship, home loans, insurance, and investments with wisdom and love, we help people with finances. So here's your one-minute money tip. Should I get my mortgage from a bank? Well, this is a hard question to answer in one minute, so I'm going to provide a resource at the end as well. But let's talk about choice. If I were a mortgage guy at a bank, I would only be able to offer you those loan products that my bank wants to sell you. Additionally, I'm probably incentivized by my bank to sell you the specific loan products that are going to make our bank the most amount of money. If I were a mortgage guy at an independent mortgage broker, I do not work for a bank. I work for you. I have a whole team of lenders behind me who are all competing through me for your business. And that competition means I'm A, going to be able to provide for you the best loan product for your specific needs, and B, I'm going to be able to find you the best rates and fees. So not only are you going to have more options, you're going to save more money. Now, there have been times in my career where I have referred someone to a bank, but that's only after learning everything I could about their scenario. So your number one stop must be at a broker. Hey, banks aren't bad. You can get great loans from banks. But if you work with a broker, they work with lots of banks and they can give you options. It's wise to first go to a broker when you're trying to get a home loan. Oh, and by the way, wink, wink, stewardship is a mortgage broker. All right, so back to changing careers. Uh, let's get into some how-tos. Uh, Brandon, how do you – I mean, th- this is a big, big decision, right? Um, how do you even decide, like, I'm okay with a career change? Like, how do you get to that place where it's like, it's okay to make this decision. I'm okay having this career career change. What's the how-to behind that? Yeah, I think if you are, um, if you're married, you need to be on the same page. Okay. Um, if you, you know, you and your spouse aren't sold on the idea, and if you, you know, both aren't sold on this transition and what it's going to look like. Um, but what, what helps you get sold on it? Like what helps you say, like, we want to. Well, going back to my original, you know, point of kind of what led me to the career change is having a vision for what you want mm. out of, you know, your life and what are your, you know, what do you want your life to look like? And again, okay. you know, and that goes back to, you know, your, your purpose and, you know, what you're trying to, right. you know, what you're trying to do. And so it's about remembering that what you do for a living isn't the same as what you do with your life. Exactly. Mm. Yep. Yeah. No. And, and, and it was, yeah. So, I mean, we, as you know, again, as we talked about what, you know, we felt like would be best, you know, for us to, you know, honor God with, you know, what's been entrusted to us and what we wanted that to look like. Um, you know, we were on the same page, you know, with something needed to change or something not needed to change, but something we wanted something to change. Um, and so from there we talked about, um, you know, cause anytime you make a career change, there's a risk involved in that. Uh, and so nothing is yeah, gar- this could be scary dude yeah yeah nothing is guaranteed you know there are a lot of different outcomes and you know that you know you you fully understand that 
Um, you can do all things right, you know, in that transition and it might not work out. Hmm. And so we had to walk through like, what is the worst case scenario? Uh, like going through and um, like almost processing what is the worst case scenario? What does that mean for us? What does that look like? Are we okay with that? Are we prepared for that? Um, you know, not only financially, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like, you know, walking through all those, uh, you know, all those different things as best you can, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't really know until you go through it, but as best you can. And so, yeah, we were, you know, we walked through worst case scenario and we got to a point where we said, okay, we're at peace with that. Yeah. And so it made taking that risk less scary. There's mm-hmm. still some fear involved, but it, it made it something where we knew and, you know, I knew and she knew that if X happened, you know, um, we're going to be okay. You know what? I would even take that a step further. If you're genuinely walking through what the worst case scenario of a career change or any particular career change you're considering might be, and you say to yourself, I'm okay with that, I think it would allow you to execute the career change better, especially at the beginning because you're the amount of fear that you're carrying as you're making this career change happen is going to be different because you're okay with worst case. I don't want worst case to happen, but if it does happen, I'm, I'm all right with that. I know what that's going to look like. I'm, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. I know what it's going to look to the best of my abilities. I love that. So if you are at a place where you think, man, should I be considering a career change? It's, it's, it's be on the same page with your spouse, envisioning what um, future, what life you want, and is this career going to allow that life to happen? And if you don't know what life you want, you look at your purpose. Um, when I talk with especially college kids coming out of college, ones that maybe majored in something different than what career they're considering or thinking about taking one job over another, it's, I always just get back to this question, their purpose, and that is, which of these situations allows you to give God most glory? Which of these situations allows you to love people well? And maybe the career you're in allows you to love people really well, and but the career you're change you're considering might allow you to love people even better. Or maybe there's a uh, something about your life of philanthropic endeavor, whether it be church or serving at a food bank or something that you really enjoy doing. Well, which of these careers allows for the freedom needed to pursue that in that way? But going back to the purpose, getting on the same page uh, with your purpose, with your spouse, uh, envisioning what that life for the future, and then considering the worst case scenarios. I mean, just those two steps alone are are really, really big. And I want to come back now to something Daniel just said earlier, something you were talking about where it's like, oh man, now I'm an insurance agent. It's not the same as like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dan, say that again. What you, what was it? What? what you do is not the same as who you are. What you do is not the same as who you are. So and that good. applies to a lot of things. But yeah. today it's career. Yeah. You know? What you do is not the same as who you are. I, I would I would say that is so profound that I wouldn't make a career change without really fully understanding that. What you do is not the same as who you are. Mm-hmm. Especially since like if you don't like who you are right now, a career change isn't going to fix that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> You're going to bring you with you yeah. to that new career. Yeah. But who, having confidence in who you are in Christ Jesus and the purpose that he's given you here on this earth helps you align better with envisioning what your future might want to be, right? And and one of our steps for this. Then also our second step, which is considering that worst case scenario. I think all this just really aligns really well. Considering these three things. What you do is not who you are. That's one. Envisioning your future 
right? For, for mm-hmm. both options. So how does that play out for your purpose? And then considering the worst case scenarios, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Another thing, and maybe this is a, another podcast episode, but, uh, you know, when I was in college and I was I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, thinking that was the same as what I did to make a living, uh, I was I, I had this idea that I have this ultimate singular purpose, and that purpose also equals a career. And how do I pick the right career? And just mm-hmm. remembering that, like our our even our purpose changes over life, yeah, over the course of life. Like it's not it's not one ultimate. This is the one thing I need to do. Mm. Typically. Like, well, there's a general purpose, but like, yeah, what my purpose is in this moment, my, what my purpose is this month specifically as it relates to that general purpose, right? Yeah. And and you you said something there, like, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. Versus what do I want to do for a living? I think this is the reason why so many people consciously or subconsciously exalt vocational ministry as a career, and. Again, that that's happened consciously. It's it's something that is is perpetuated in evangelical society, but it's also something that is not necessarily, you know, consciously perpetuated and talked about. Like subconsciously, we might be thinking like, oh, like vocational ministry is like better than like my job or like regular work, but we don't think that's true. Obviously, we know that what we do and how we do it here at Stewardship is a ministry. And so much so, like, I almost, I can argue that business might be a bigger or greater or better ministry than vocational ministry. And we did a live event that Brandon helped put together and lead called Your Work is a Ministry. Brandon, how can people, we we recorded this a couple weeks ago, but we have a video of this and people can now watch this for free. How can people engage in that? Yeah, so we, um, as part of our website, you can go to um, stewardship.pro forward slash work dash is dash ministry. Made that really easy for you. Yeah. Uh, stewardship.pro forward slash uh, work dash is dash ministry. And um, on that webpage, you can access um audio and i think video right yeah video audio awesome we got super techie yeah um yeah so we have audio and video of that event that you can access um for free yeah and you know kind of uh get an idea of our heart and Mm. kind of some things that we're passionate about around this topic of you know the idea that anything you do whether you're a stay-at-home mom a teacher an insurance agent, um, firefighter, whatever it is, your work is a ministry. Your work has value, you know, beyond just bringing home an income. Yep. And, um, you know, having that mindset can can lead to a lot of really amazing opportunities. Yeah. And uh, we got great feedback on this event. We'll probably do it again live, probably sometime. Yeah, that's um, fine. But hey, go to stewardship.pro forward slash work hyphen is hyphen ministry that's another thing that you can do to help consider is it hyphen or is it dash either way i think it's the same key on the keyboard but the link is in the description the link is in the description description. we just we just started a new debate is it dash or Or is it what wrong word did you say (laughs) (laughs) wrong word all right check out the work is a ministry event that we did that'll help with this career change consider subscribing 
to the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>